You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I hope uh, what the Lord has uh, from His Word will be a blessing to you, uh, not because of the deliverer, but because of the message that is there. So that is my prayer is that I can help and be a blessing from what God's Word says. Uh, if you'd stand with me and take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. Good job, Tim. First one up, as always. Uh, John chapter 10, if you would. Uh, we're going to drop down to verse number 7. We're just going to read a few verses, uh, and then I'll have you seated. We'll have a couple other places to go, so don't put your Bible in the hymn rack. Keep it in your lap. John chapter 7, start down, a ver- or job chapter 10, excuse me. John chapter 10, verse number 7. The Bible says, Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. This is the verse we're going to focus on this morning. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day again. Uh, Lord, we sure are in awe of who you are, of what you've done for us. Uh, Words can't put into sentences that make thought that are comparable to everything you've done for us, Lord. I pray that you just bless this time that we have this morning with your word. Lord, help me as I speak. Help me, help my tongue, help my thoughts to convey the message that you have for your people. Lord, help us to have our hearts open and tender to hear what your word says, that we may be changed and become more like you. We sure do love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So if you've been to church any amount of time, you've probably heard a lesson or a message or something about an abundant life. There's churches named after abundant life. Not all of them would probably fit our stripe, uh, abundant life, but it is a scripture. It is a thought from scripture that Jesus himself said he has come to give us. Those that are saved, that uh, have accepted and walked through the door, who is Jesus, uh, he's, he's given us a way to have an abundant life. And, you know, as humans, we look at that and, you know, as we live our life, you go to work, you raise your family, you get married, you, you live your life in a way to be successful, to be happy, right? No one lives a life hoping that they'll be miserable and and have an empty, soulless life. We all want something from life. We all want to succeed. We want to see our kids grow up. We want to have good relationships. Uh, We want to have a happy life. That's, That's our goal as humans. We want to live that way. And that's the goal the world will portray as the only reason for living, is to be successful, to be happy, to be fulfilled, And they'll do numerous things to arrive there. But most of the time when they get there, all of the time when they get there, without Christ, they find out it's not really that fulfilling. And it's empty. And as Christians, we can even fall into that temptation and that trap as well to live a life in search of abundance, of things, of relationships, of of joy, things that make us happy and bring us happiness on this earth, just to receive it all and find out, it's not what we thought it would be. It didn't bring that fulfilling feeling or that abundant life. And that's not the life that Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about much more than just things and happiness on this earth. 
The word abundant there means uh, existing or available in large quantities or plentiful, uh, having plenty of. The Greek word itself means superabundant. So it's, you know, abundant always has that connotation of being a lot, but it's superabundant is what Jesus is saying here. It's superior. It's a superior life. And that's what Jesus wants for us. Now, he's not talking about what you probably have heard before as prosperity gospel or health and wealth message. He's not saying, I will give you a life that is successful and give you everything you want. And life here on this earth will be great because you're saved. That's not what Jesus is saying. There's more to it than things. And that's the point we want to kind of get across here at the very beginning. Jesus came to this earth to give us eternal life. Right? He came and he died and he rose again for our sins to be paid for so that we can live with him forever in heaven. But also this life here on this earth, he wants it to be more than just living, just getting through. And let's be honest, we, we all have days like that where we just get by. We might have weeks, months, 2020, we might have years that were empty and fruitless and felt like you just got by and they weren't great. We've all had times like that. And Jesus doesn't say he'll take away those times, but in spite of those times, and even maybe even more so in the midst of those times, as Christians, your life can be more abundant because of who he is. So that was his goal. Now, I'm going to, again, who likes coffee? Right? It's, yeah, we're Baptists. A lot of us like coffee. Not everybody does. I realize that. But everyone likes coffee. There's your standard Baptist church coffee container. Right? The styrofoam cup. A little small for my taste. But, you know, there's, there's, our, there's our coffee. Um, and the world will attribute this to our life. Right? The world will say, man, I, I can live my life for things that I want. And I can fill it up with coffee or whatever it might be um, and have a happy life. And if you like coffee and you get a nice warm cup of coffee, this will make you happy, right? You'll be happy with this. It'll bring some joy. You put your creamers in it if you do that, your sugars, or you just drink it the way coffee is supposed to be drunk with nothing else in it. You know, not to judge here. I'm just saying. Um, but that'll bring you some happiness, right? And we say, that's good. And the world will live in a way that they look for happiness and they strive and they work hard and they buy cars and they buy houses and they buy things and they live a life and they feel like that brings them happiness. And they probably do have some joy. Now, without Christ, it's not real lasting joy. And then once they're dead, if they don't get saved, that's all the joy they ever experience, ever. Right? That's the end of it. Is that small cup of coffee that brings some happiness and some joy. But when that life is over without Christ, that's it. That's all you get. Now, for us that are saved, once you accept Jesus as your Savior, that abundant life comes. Right? And just automatically by being saved, you can experience way more joy than this styrofoam cup of coffee. Maybe you'll do, and I, Brother Jed, I, I, it's empty now, so you said no coffee on the pulpit, it's empty. But maybe once you get saved, now, oh, we can experience a little bit more joy, a little bit more happiness, right? We can fill our nice thermos, uh, turvis cup that keeps us nice and hot. This cup will keep coffee hot from Brookings to church, after church on the way home, still be warm. I mean, it's... It's pretty amazing. So once you get saved, now you've got a, you, can, you have access to a lot more joy. You have access to a much more abundant life. There's more for you than just things. Things can still bring you happiness, and there's nothing wrong with having things and working hard and providing and living life here on earth with happiness. But there's more to it. Now you've got a spiritual life. 
Now the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Now you have access to the promises and the truths and God's word to boost your life, if you want to say. Give you a little bit extra, right? That's what God brings to us. Now as Christians, we can still live with just this. We can get saved and get our, what I've heard some people say, your fire insurance, right? You're saved, you're out of hell, but you just go back to your normal way of life, living for self. And when you do that, you kind of give up some of the abundance that God can give us. But with salvation, you have access to this. And God says, that's great. I want to give you abundant life. I want you to be happy. You're now saved. On your way to heaven, you have access to comfort, to promises, to things that the unsaved world just does not have. And that's good. And we can have that. But if you see a pattern, I didn't put this over here. I put it in the middle because God says, that's, you know, that's good. But I've got so much more. We got one of these. Right? And this will fill this up numerous times. And so, as a saved Christian, living the way God wants you to live, and living for him and not for self, you have access to an abundant coffee pot life. Okay? You can get access to more happiness and more joy and more fulfillment through Jesus, through, through Christ himself, through the door, as he says. He came that we have eternal life, and that we may have it more abundantly, more than just getting through, more than just even earthly happiness. There's more to it than all of that. That's not all he did. He also gave us the Holy Spirit. We all have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us once we're saved. I mean, think about that. Part of the Godhead came to dwell with us all the time in our hearts. God God says, I'm going to come down with you and be with you forever. Jesus even said, I have to go away so that greater can come and be with you and comfort you. What an amazing thing that Jesus did for us by, and the Lord did for us, by allowing the Holy Spirit to indwell each and every one of us. He's there to help us live that abundant life. He doesn't want us to just get through. He just doesn't want us to just get by. Especially as Christians, we have so much more to live for than just getting by. There's so much more for us. A life that's fulfilled, joyful, satisfied. Again, not necessarily one without problems, right? If that were the case, you know, the, the world just wouldn't make sense. There, we see too many people that are saved that have problems. But there are people out there that preach that if you have problems, you have sin, right? A false gospel saying that without, if you have issues in your life, and we all know people that go through hard times that are some of the godliest people we know. God doesn't take away the problems, but he gives us joy and satisfaction amidst the problems. Why? Because he's there with us. The Holy Spirit is with you when you go through tough times. If you went through a tough time in 2020, or maybe 2021 is turning out to be not much different, right? The Holy Spirit is there with you. God is with you through those troubles. We can live a fulfilled life amidst those things. But we often allow ourselves to be overcome by circumstances, don't we? We're human, and we can, we can get depressed. We can get frustrated. We can get upset by our relationships in our life, by our circumstances, by things that are out of our control, maybe even things that are because of what we did. And we get ourselves into, into places that God never intended us to be. And we can allow those circumstances to overcome us. We can become plagued by doubt, right? When things don't go the way they're supposed to or the way you had planned, doubt a lot of times will creep in saying, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this really worth it? Should I just be doing something else? Maybe I made the wrong choices. And doubt can overcome us. Or we can fall to temptations. 
You know, as a Christian, we are not without sin, right? The Lord has covered those sins and he has paid that penalty, but we still live in a sinful world. And we still have carnality on our mortal bodies and we can't ever overcome that until Jesus comes back. And so we oftentimes will fall to temptations. We'll fall into sin. We'll do things that we know we shouldn't be doing. We'll think things we shouldn't be thinking. We'll see things we shouldn't see. We'll say things we shouldn't say. And we'll make choices that are opposite of what we know God wants us to make. And oftentimes that brings us out of the coffee pot life past even the mug into a styrofoam cup and that can be depressing and sad and it could be things that keep us from the abundant life living actually a non-abundant life and as christians if we're not careful we can get stuck living in a non-abundant life living for ourselves even being saved even coming to church even teaching a Sunday school class, even reading your Bible, you can live your way, a life for yourself that's not abundant. It's those people that they're just scraping by. And you might have had a time like that. We probably all have. And that's okay as long as you do overcome those things. You know, when you ask those people, how's life going? How are you, how are you, how's it going? How are you doing? They're like, it's going. Those answers, maybe you answer that way sometimes. How's, how, how are you doing? I'm doing. I'm just getting by. You know, that's what that means, is I'm getting through, I'm here, right? Don't, things aren't great, but I'm here. And that's a start, especially if it's here at church, how are you doing? You're here, that's good, that's a good place to start. But God has so much more for us than it's going. So much more for us as Christians. So Jesus gave us the definition of what that eternal life means. Go over to John 17, a couple pages to the right. John 17, verse number 3. So this life that we want, we want an abundant life. Nobody wants an empty, unfulfilled life. Everybody wants full, fulfilled, satisfying, abundant life that Jesus talks about. We have to know how do we get there. So first off, we've got to start with what is this eternal life? John 17, verse number 3, Jesus said, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So if we want to have an abundant life, first step is to know Jesus as your Savior. Right? You have to believe that he came to this earth, paid the penalty for your sin, rose again on the third day, and put your faith in his payment for salvation. That's step number one. But I believe that verse goes beyond just knowing him for salvation, but actually knowing him. Knowing him as a person, having a relationship. So the first step to having an abundant life is to have a, you have to have a relationship with God. It can't just be, I come to church, and that's, I check in, check out, clock in, clock out, come back Sunday night sometimes, then I go home, and then that's it until Wednesday, maybe not even until Sunday again. That's not knowing him, right? We, he, you need to know him. You need to know him for salvation, but you also need to know him as a person. It's the key part of having an abundant life. Without him, you can't create an abundant life on your own. You can't will it into existence. You can't work hard enough to make it happen. You have to have a relationship with him. Just like today, Valentine's Day. Guys, those of you that are married, you know, if you just gave your wife a Valentine's Day card today, and they're like, all right, see you next year. Same time, same place. Valentine's Day, next year will be on a Monday. I'll have a card for you again. See ya. And you don't spend time with her. You don't talk to her. You don't take her out. You don't, you know, make an effort to get to know her. Even if you've been married a long time, you don't have a relationship, right? 
you, you just have, you have a knowledge of each other, and you might even be married, right? You have these rings on your fingers, you have a relationship, the world looks at you as married, God looks at you as married, but you can be married and just kind of be glorified roommates, can't you? You can live a married life that you're just, you just are there, but you don't know each other, especially as you start early in the marriage, Right, that's that honeymoon phase, as we like to call it, where you get to know each other. You get to know the good things and the bad things. Right, you find out the flaws that you never knew she had. Impossible, she has flaws, but you find them out when you were married for a little amount of time. Right, and you start to get to know each other, and you see the good things and the bad things. But then you you realize who each other are. And you, as a wife, you complete your husband. As a husband, you lead your wife. And you build that relationship that becomes stronger, that becomes that leave and cleave that God says we're supposed to do. If we're going to cleave together as husband and wife, we have to know each other. In the same way with God, if you want to have that abundant life, that fulfilling, over-the-top, overflowing, I mean, coffee just coming out the spout and just too much, I can't catch it all. If you want to live a life like that, you've got to know Jesus. You've got to have a relationship with him. And that means that you have to read what he says to you consistently, right? Not just when we open it on Sundays and read through it or in Sunday school or once in a while when you remember at home. But this has to be like part of your life, just like breakfast is, just like putting uh, gas in your car, just like putting on shoes, right? That's, these are things you do. You just, they're just life. You do them. This has to be that if you're going to have a relationship with the Lord to get to that abundant life, it has to be just what you do because it's part of who you are. But we as Christians, a lot of times, will put this really low on the priority list. We'll get our breakfast. We'll put gas in our car. We'll go to work. We'll put shoes on our feet. We'll even catch our favorite show or listen to our favorite podcast way before maybe we get to his word and build our relationship with him. And then we wonder why we're just not getting along with our wife. Why things just aren't great at work all the time. And just, did you feel empty? You feel like you're spinning your wheels, going nowhere, even as Christians. And we wonder, why is that? I'm doing all these things I'm supposed to be doing, but we don't have a relationship with him. We don't read his words. We don't pray. We don't talk to him. Because prayer, that's, again, reading your Bible and prayer, these are things that you do on your own. You don't, no one watches over you to make sure you do this. Teenagers, you feel like, well, mom and dad, they make me read the Bible. Here's the thing, you're going to grow up, and if you don't do it on your own, no, one, no one's watching your mom and dad to make sure they do it. Yeah. Only God and them. And it's between you and the Lord, your relationship. If you want to have that abundant life, if you want to live over the top for God, and just be happy and fulfilled here on this earth, it starts with having a relationship with him. It has to begin there. The world strives to find meaning in life. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of books written about how to find the meaning of life, find your truth, find out things that'll make you tick, that'll push you and motivate you. The world strives to find that. And we have access to it. And oftentimes as Christians, we'll look elsewhere. We'll look to those same books. We'll look to working harder. We'll look to doing more in our own power to bring happiness to our life. And we just completely overlook the main thing, the key that we need of the relationship with Jesus. We'll, we'll overlook that. To have a relationship with him, we have to communicate with him. We have to spend time with him. We have to get to know him. We have to live our life in a way that we want to please him, want to honor him, and want to just know him. 
And you can't do that by just showing up once a week at church. It's a personal relationship you have to have with him. So that's the first key to getting an abundant life. The second key is you, you need to be a growing Christian. You have to be becoming more like him every day. We say, you know, and this is very true for church, you're more than welcome to come as you are. Everyone is welcome to come as you are. But you should not be content to leave the way you came. And we oftentimes will say that about those that are unsaved, that don't know the Lord. Come as you are, but don't leave without knowing him. But Christian, if you're content to come as you are for this week, your spiritual life, whatever your relationship with Jesus was this week, if you're good to go after we're done here in three hours, and you're good, kidding, just make sure you're awake. If you're good to go here in 30, 40 minutes, and nothing has changed with you from the moment you walked through those doors and the moment you got back in your car, and nothing is different, what are you doing? Are we just here to hang out with our friends? Are we just here to fulfill our responsibilities that we have? Are we here just to check something off a list and say, I went to church, so I'm good for yourself? Are you just trying to convince yourself, I'm doing good, I'm a good Christian, I went to church, so I can feel good about it? If that's all we're doing, we probably aren't living an abundant life. We're probably just, it's going Because God doesn't expect us to come in, hear his word preached, again, not because of the person delivering it, but because of the truth that's there, and just be like, yeah, I got that already, I'm good. I've already got that covered. And maybe you do. Maybe you have a great walk with the Lord. Praise the Lord that you do. But there's always somewhere we can improve. There's always something that we can do better. There's always more that we can do. So if we're good to come and then just go as we are, we're we're not growing, we're being stagnant. We're just kind of being. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Go down to verse number 17. Peter says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. We are expected to grow. We are expected to become more like him. We, we shouldn't be satisfied with our status as far as our Christianity goes, as far as our relationship with him, as far as our knowledge of him. We should always be striving to learn more, to grow more, to become more like him. Look to be challenged. When you come to church, are you, do you, and pastor says this all the time, give the Lord permission to, to, to get to you with something. Give the Lord permission to touch your heart. Give the Lord permission to show you in your life things that need to be changed. When you come to church, you should, ex, you should hope to be challenged. You should hope to be shown a way that spiritually you can become more, that you can grow. You shouldn't come in going, oh, I hope he doesn't preach about something I'm, I'm not happy about, right? I hope he doesn't step on my toes today because I'm going to be upset. If he talks about something that's a pet peeve of mine and he gets on me for it, even I know I should be different, but it's something I do. If he gets on me for that, oh, I'm going to walk away and I'm going to talk about him at, at lunch today. I can't believe the pastor said that. Can you believe he meddled? Oh my, how dare he meddle. And it's not pastor that's meddling if you're talking about it then. It's the Holy Spirit that's meddling. 
And the Holy Spirit's trying to say, yeah, he's meddling because there's something in here that you need to change. There's something in here that you can do better at, that you can be more for me for. Don't get on the preacher for it. Get on the Holy Spirit for it. If you're willing to get on the Holy Spirit for it, I'm going to take a big step backwards real quick before you do that. The Holy Spirit's trying to get to you. Look to be challenged. Desire to grow. You know, Madison, see if she's paying. Hi, Madison. My daughter, Madison. Uh, she, in the last few months, not so much recently, but she would just be at, in the middle of the night or you know, right before bedtime, she'd be like, my legs are just killing me. My legs hurt. It just feels like, oh, they're achy and painful. She's getting these growing pains, right, where she's growing and her, her body's expanding. And then she's like, oh, it hurts. It's painful. Our physical bodies go through growing pains. But often as Christians, we don't want growing pains spiritually. We want to avoid those. Now, would she rather not have those growing pains in her legs? Yeah, sure, those are painful, and they're not comfortable, but they help her grow, right? If, she's, if she never grew anymore past 10 years old, I mean, there's, there's a problem there, right? If you get to 10 and you just stop, there's a problem there. If us as Christians get to a certain level and we just stop, there's a problem there too. God expects us to continually grow. Here's The thing is, you're never going to reach a, you know, ultimate form until Jesus comes back. You will never stop growing. You will never attain. You will never get to the point where you're like, yep, I'm good now. I did it. I've arrived. There's nothing else I can learn from God's word. There's nothing. I'm just, I've done it all. You know, we will never get there. But if we live our life as if we don't need to change, and we come to church and we don't look to be challenged, we don't look to how we can grow, then we're content to be where we are. And the Lord doesn't want that. The Lord wants us to grow. We, we want to, if we want to fill these pews, and it's pretty good for a very, very cold day, but even in the middle of the summer when things are perfect, we got room. Even without the COVID every other pew, we got room to fill. If we want to fill this place with souls, to introduce them to the Lord, to have them be on their way to heaven, to in turn start contributing and growing. If we want all more, it takes change from those of us that are here now. It takes the desire to grow, the desire to do more. If you're uncomfortable with something, if you're not spiritually ready or where you want to be or where you feel like you should be, then come looking to grow. Challenge yourself. Let the Lord challenge you. How many times has pastor, and this is not super spiritual, but how many times has he said we need help in the nursery? More than once. Allow yourself to grow. And that's a, that's a baby step. Pun intended, because it's the nursery. The Lord wants us to grow. He wants us to do more. So we got to know him. We need to have a relationship with him. We need to be willing and desire to grow. And then thirdly, and lastly, we need to share. We need to share our life, what Jesus has done for us, and what he can do for others in salvation and then in our lives after salvation. If you've been saved for any amount of time, God has done things in your life. And you have stories, you have testimonies, we call them, of things that God has done for you. Ways that God has moved in your life and it's very evident it was God and only God, only could have been God, and he has done things for you. If you have children, they should know those stories. If your children are growing up and they're under the age where they understand, they should know how God, parents, has moved in your life. How God maybe brought you and your spouse together. How God brought you from wherever you were to where you are now. Where God has blessed you 
financially, spiritually, health-wise, whatever the case may be, your kids should know those stories. They should be like, oh, here we go again. Dad's telling a story about how God blessed them. They should know it inside and out so that they know it's real. So they know God is real. He's not just this thing that we go and worship and then live our life the way we want on the week. But they should know that he is a real person and that he does change lives. Your children need to know that. And then obviously the unsaved people need to know Jesus is real. It's our responsibility as Christians, not just pastors, not just Sunday school teachers, not just bus directors, not just you know, Sunday school superintendents, not just deacons and treasurers and trustees. It's all of our jobs to tell others what Jesus did for us. And if it's uncomfortable or scary, it is. It's scary to talk to people you don't know and tell them something that they might say, get out of my face too. But all you have to do is tell them what Jesus did for you. Say, I don't know what verses to go to. I don't know where, where to go in the Bible. I get confused and I know. Just tell them what Jesus did for you. That's all you got to do. It's just telling an experience. If you had a good day at work and you come home, you tell your family about the work day at work. You tell them about the show you watch. You tell them about the game you watched. You talk about the Super Bowl. We talk about all these things, these experiences we have, and we're fine talking to people about that. But when we talk about our salvation, eternal life, we get scared. If we want to have an abundant life, we've got to be willing to share. We've got to be willing to tell others about him. And if we want to fill these pews to have other people in here to, to know the same truths we do, it's on us to get there. It's on us as Christians to take God's word, carry it out, and fulfill his responsibilities for us. It's an exciting thing, and it's a, it's a daunting you know, responsibility, but it's an exciting responsibility because, again, if you have a relationship with the Lord, he is with you. He's there the whole time. How many times have you gone out and talking to people that you know the Holy Spirit has been out before you? The Holy Spirit has prepared the hearts of people. I mean, I can't tell you how many people, times I've knocked on someone's door that I never knew, and it's like, it's like the Lord was ready for them, for me, to be there at that time. You know, there have been people that when we had some of the mission men that came here, and I was fortunate enough to be able to lead a couple of them to the Lord. The one, uh, one guy, he's here, he was like, I mean, he was ready. He was almost asking, like, what must I do to be saved? And when you're willing to share, the Lord will bring people across your path that are ready to hear. It won't be 100%, right? You won't get every single one. Even Jesus came and they didn't listen to him. Paul, one of the greatest missionaries ever, he was put in prison for what he said. You know, he was stoned. There were things they did not, not everyone's going to like what you have to say. But your responsibility is not to worry about their reception of it. Your responsibility is to give it. And you let the Holy Spirit take care of the reception of it. So we need to have a relationship with him. We need to be growing and we need to be willing to share our life, salvation, and also our life as far as our experiences to other Christians. It gives hope when we share God's word. The world needs hope. The world needs the hope that you have. Can you imagine going through 2020 without Jesus? Can you imagine the unrest in our country without knowing God? How scary must that be? And there's thousands and thousands of people in this city that go through the same things that you do but don't have the hope that you have. And the Lord has put us where we are on purpose for such a time as this to be ready to give an answer for what Jesus has for him, for them. 
Jesus wants all people with him in glory, doesn't he? He doesn't want anyone to perish. He is his desire, his sincere desire is for every human being to be saved. That's what he wants. And, in, and it's our responsibility to bring that to other people. Now, I made a preacher mistake and didn't mark my Bible, but let's go to Colossians real quick. Hopefully I can find it before you get there. Oh, Ephesians, Philippians. Colossians, they're okay. All right, we're good. It's always nerve-wracking. Not be able to find a passage in the Bible up here. Colossians chapter 3. It's one of my favorite few verses in the Bible. It makes me so excited. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, If ye then, being risen with Christ, meaning you're saved, seek those things which are above. Remember, we're wanting an abundant life. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life. I'm going to read it again. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. That's exciting. Sorry, it's really loud. Do you realize what those verses say? I mean, you realize what those verses say. You're saved. You know it's going to happen. But do you realize Christ, who is, who, he is our life, He's, you want to have abundant life? Christ is your abundant life. He, he is the one. Happiness is not on this earth. Set your affections on things of heaven, not on things of this earth. Anything that even makes you happy on this earth is temporary anyway. You get a million dollars in your bank account, great. You'll spend it way faster than you think you would. And at the end, you don't get to take it with you. You want a Lamborghini? Great, that's awesome. Those are fast cars. Not a great thing to have in South Dakota, but that's fun. That's great. It'll bring happiness for a moment. But the thing will rust. The thing will break down. The thing will, you know, the, the, the leather will, will, will fade. The, the engine will break. Things will fall apart. And 100 years from now, the really nice house you live in, that might not even be there. It might be torn down. And 100 years from now, we're all dead. Sorry. If the Lord doesn't come back in 100 years from today, in 2,121, not one of us is alive anymore. That means all the things you have don't matter. That means all the effort and the time and the hours you put at work are worthless. It means all the clothes that you have in your closet, all the shoes that you have, all your collectibles, all your hunting gear, all your fishing gear, all everything, all your jewelry, everything that we put value on in this earth is worthless to you in a hundred years. What matters is Christ. And when Christ, who is our life, is Christ your life? Is the Lord your life? As a Christian, the Bible says he is our life. Are we letting him be our life? Are we making him our life? Are we living for things on this earth? Well, you're not having an abundant life if Christ is not your life. Teenager, this applies to you. You don't have to be 50 years old to have Christ to be your life. If you're saved as a teenager, God wants to be your life. God wants you to be all his. And that doesn't mean that you're constricted. doesn't mean you're not able to have a good life. Again, We're talking about abundant life, more fulfilling than anything you can think of, more fulfilling than any career you hope to attain and become. Christ, who is our life, will appear one day. He is coming back someday. It might be before 100 years is up. We might still be here when it happens, and I hope it does. 
But someday Christ will appear. Will the life you live here on this earth be an abundant life? Or will it be a styrofoam cup life of abundance and happiness? Because you'll go to heaven once you're saved, but the things that you do here on earth, you get rewards for those. You know that? God gives us rewards for doing the things he has asked us to do. And I have a feeling some of us may sit there and when the rewards are being passed out, we're going to sit and there are names getting passed over and over and over. And we're in heaven. That can't be ever taken away from us. But people are going to be getting rewards for doing things that God asked them to do. And we're going to be sitting there with our styrofoam coffee cup of life going, man, I wish I'd have done more. I wish I would have served more. I wish I would have given more. I wish I would have given my life more. I wish I would have made him more of a center of my life. And we're going to have some regret. We, we all will. Every single person is going to sit there at the judgment seat and wish they had done more. Every single one of us. But don't sit there with a styrofoam coffee cup of your life of abundance when Christ does appear and miss out on what God has for you. So whatever you're at right now, wherever your status is for life, abundance, coffee cup, or coffee pot wise, there's opportunity for more. And God wants you to have more. But it means that you are going to have to do some of those things to get there. You need to know him. You need to have a relationship with him. If your relationship, if your walk with the Lord isn't what it's supposed to be, start change that now. Change that today. Don't wait till tomorrow. I'll, I'll read more tomorrow. Or I'll take my Bible out and read tomorrow. No, do it this afternoon. We got an hour or two. Don't take that power nap. Read the Bible instead. Get to know him. Pray. Increase your relationship with the Lord. Secondly, grow. You'll find if as you increase your relationship with him, you are going to grow because that desire is going to be there to get to know him more. And as you get to know him more, you learn things and you grow and you become better and you do more. They work hand in hand. And then when that happens, which also works hand in hand in hand, you'll tell people you'll want to share your faith with those that aren't saved. You want to share your faith with your friends with your fellow Christians, with your fellow church members. If you're not telling your church members, if we're not telling each other in here the blessings God does for us on a daily basis, we're missing out on a lot of encouragement. We're missing out on a lot of encouraging others by things that God has done for us. So when God does something good for you, tell me. Tell me about it. When God does something good for me, I'm going to tell you about it. Come to me. Find me in the hallway. Tell me the things that God did for you. It encourages me. Tell pastor the things God has done for you. Tell him about the, the messages that he has brought from God's word has changed you. Tell each other those things. We're too private, right? And I think pastor mentioned this last week too. We're South Dakotans. We just kind of, we, we're good. Us, us four, no more in our families. We kind of keep it tight. We keep it quiet. We're very to ourselves. And that's good in some areas. But for us as Christians, let's tell, tell each other. Encourage one another. The Bible tells us to do that. When God does something for you, tell somebody. Tell somebody. And then tell somebody what God did for you. Salvation. Tell somebody about your faith. Increase their faith. Introduce them to Jesus. There are people that we run into all the time that don't know him. And it's our responsibility. We have a touch point with them to share his word. And that could be leaving a track. That could be having a conversation. That can just be saying, you know, God is good. Amen. You know, when someone says, how are you? Oh, I'm, God is good to me. How many times are you saying, you run into people you don't know, and be like, hey, how are you? I'm oh, great. The Lord's been really good to me today. They'll be like, okay, wow. 
right? That's going to start a conversation, and there you've got an in to talk about Jesus. There are many ways to do it, but God wants us to have an abundant life. He doesn't want us to have an it's-going life. He wants us to be abundant. He wants us to live and have joy and happiness and fulfillment in the life we have on this earth. It just takes us getting to know him better to get to that point. And he wants you to be there. Without fulfilling our roles as Christians, the abundant life will be elusive. We have to do our part. And God will do his part always. He never fails to do that. All right, every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you'd stand with me, please. Nothing new you probably haven't heard before in your life. These are messages that are preached often. But there's truth there. The Lord wants more for you. The Lord wants you to have a life more abundantly than you have it right now. He wants to bless you. He wants to fulfill you. And he wants you to do his work, his work in this world. He wants you to tell others. He wants you to be happy. He wants your life to be abundant. If the Lord spoke to you at all today, uh, do work with him. The altar is open as the instruments play. Do your work with God. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.